Okay, let's read this passage today. We're going to continue our series on the dragon's resume, the kingdom of darkness exposed. So the reason why we titled this because Revelation uh, 12 and 13 has the most number of times where the word dragon is mentioned. 11 out of 13, 13 mentions of dragon, of the word dragon is found in Revelation 12 and 13. So let's read our text for today as a church. Uh, maybe I would ask you to stand up in respect, reverence to the word of God. And, and I would like us to read this all together. If you can read it aloud, uh, that would be great. Uh, you know, with all our hearts, let's read this and remind us of what scripture is telling us. Okay, Revelation 12, 7 to 17. Now, war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And, the, and his angels fought back. Okay, let's move on. And he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth. Angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, so she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time, and times and a half a time. The serpent poured water like a river to his mouth after the, after the woman, to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to help the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman, went up to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold on to the testimony of Jesus. He stood on the sand and the sea. Okay. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. May you, you may sit down. Praise God. Thank you for reading aloud. I really love that. That's really good. Good. Okay. So what we're going to do today, as usual, we're going to go to this passage verse by verse. Then I'm going to go through an application. Usually do it at the end, but we're going to do the application right in the middle. So let's study this passage verse by verse. I don't know why the screen is flickering, but that's okay. Um, so verse, uh, starting at verse uh, 7 in this passage, this is what it says, 7 to 9. I'm just going to go through first with the, the three, first three verses. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for him in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent. We know who the dragon is, and we know who the serpent is. They're the same one. They're the same being. And he was thrown out of heaven. Then, and who is called the devil and Satan. Completo. You got the dragon, you got the serpent, you got the devil, you got the Satan. 
in those words. The deceiver. Okay. Five names of the same person. Deceiver of the whole world who was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So, let me tell you, we cannot really go get away from this passage and not talk about the dragon or Satan because I know some pastors or some people might avoid this topic because, because it's un uncomfortable to people. People are sometimes scared of talking about these things. But we cannot get away with this. This is really what this passage is talking about. It is revealing the nature of our enemy. And you know, if you are in the military or you're in some kind of a business, it's good to know your enemy, right? For business, your competition, because that's how you're going to know how to overcome them, how to overpower them. And I believe this is the reason why God gave us these passages here, to expose Satan, to expose the kingdom of darkness, so we as a church will know how to deal with him, right? How to overcome him, how to overpower him. But for those of you who are here for the first time or was not around a couple of weeks ago when we talk about this passage, the first half of this passage, Let's do a, a short review of Revelation verse uh, 12, verse 1 to 6. So in verse 1 to 6, we learn of the meaning of the sign. You know, you can open your Bible on this. I'm not going to show you the passage on screen. Just open your Bible on Revelation 12, verse 1 to 6. And John was talking about the sign in heaven. And this sign in heaven portrays a, a couple of things. At the first six chapter of Revelation, we are told of a, of a woman. Of a woman. And this woman is, was pregnant. And, and this woman, we know, is the nation of Israel based on Genesis chapter 37. Secondly, in, that, in the first six verses, we are also told of a baby. Right? A baby. And that baby is Jesus Christ. It's very clear in that passage that, that the baby is Jesus Christ without question. And this woman eventually gave birth to this baby. But for a time, this pregnant woman was anticipating... This woman had internal struggles, you know, uh, pain of childbirth before the birth of the baby. And this really talks about Israel, you know. Israel went through a difficult struggle before the coming of Christ. In fact, the struggle lasted for thousands of years before the birth of Christ. They struggled against sin, struggled against different kinds of things. Uh, but also at the same time, they were anticipating, they were expecting the birth of the coming of the Messiah. And of course, we know the story in, in, in Matthew, in Luke, you know, the birth of Jesus Christ, which we celebrate every year during Christmas. But, but during the birth of the Messiah, there's another creature in that scene, and it is the dragon. And, and in this passage, he is described as the serpent, the deceiver, Satan. We just said it earlier. You know, and what we find out from this passage that Satan, the dragon, is in control of the kingdoms of the world. Because that dragon in there not only represents Satan, it represents the entire Roman Empire. It represents the Roman Empire. So we can say, just like the church, for instance, the church, is, is, it's the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. And Jesus is our head. That's true, right? We can also say in a certain way, that the kingdoms of this world is the body of Satan himself. The kingdoms of this world is the body of, the sat of Satan. Why would the Bible use a dragon to represent Satan and the Roman Empire, you know, simultaneously? Unless, you know, they are related. 
someone is the head and the, someone is the body. And it really, it's not hard to understand. I, I, we all expect this. If you've read the Bible, it is, we all expect this. That every institution in this world, every government in this world will hate Jesus Christ. It's not weird. It's not unusual. It is expected. Every institution in this world will hate Christianity. Governments, media, obviously. <laughs> every institution. Because these things are under the control and power of the dragon. Right? And we know from the book of Daniel that beasts in the Bible, when you talk about creatures, beasts in the Bible, it always represents kingdoms. It always represents kingdoms and empires. So the dragon itself represents also a kingdom or an empire. And, and this dragon tried to kill Jesus at birth. And we know that the person who tried to kill Jesus at birth, at birth was King Herod, right? And we know King Herod was a vassal. He was a representative of the Roman Empire. He was a representative of the Roman Empire. And so, so the Roman Empire and the kingdoms of the world and Satan himself represents Israel's external struggle. You know, internally, Israel was struggling with sin. Externally, he was struggling. Israel was struggling against the enemy, against the dragon. And so in this passage, we see that this woman, if you look at your passage, the next verse, uh, in verse 6, it's not on the screen as well, this woman fled to the wilderness. Now, this portion in Revelation chapter 12, we can only speculate what this means because this woman fled to the wilderness and stayed there for three and a half years. Now, some, some commentators, other pastors, they would usually say that this is during the tribulation, it, uh, you know, during the mid part of the tribulation, by the way, you know, when the Antichrist would sit at the throne, uh, sit, take his seat inside the temple and, and, you know, take his place as God, he will... He will declare to the world that he is God, there will be conflict in Israel and many of the Jews will be persecuted, will be killed during the times, but there will be a remnant that will leave Israel and hide and take refuge in the wilderness. And it's the place they believe now is called Petra. And the Jews are going to stay, are going to hide in Petra in that area. Many believe this. And for three and a half, three and a half years, God will protect the Jews in that area. So that's one option. Uh, in terms of what the meaning or explanation for verse 6. But the other meaning, which for me, uh, you know, let's not be so dogmatic in saying this is exactly the meaning because this is a bit challenging. But one possible meaning also, this also talks about the struggle of Israel over the past, past centuries, right? The past 2,000 years where they're being persecuted by the world. Even recently, you know, there, there was this, there's the Holocaust that killed 6 million Jews. And, and Satan tried to use, of course, Satan was using the Nazis who were under the control of Satan to destroy the Jews. And for me, I would probably lean towards this because it just, go, it just happened right after the birth of Christ. Because verse, verse 5 talks about the birth. The next it talks about this this refuge where the Jews went to protect themselves, you know, for, for protection. And I believe this is the exile that has happened to the Jews over the last 2,000 years until they were restored to the promised land 
in, 19, in the 1940s, right? Just, just, just around 70 years ago or 80 years ago. 1940s, yeah. So, this is the return of the Jews. You know, it talks about the return of the Jews after, after their dispersion. So, let's move on to chapter 7 now. And this is where we're going to spend more time. Uh, the rest of this passage. Verse 7. Are we in? Yeah, let's go back to verse 7. Now, verse 7. Suddenly, we have a different scene here in verse 7. We have a different scene. John witnessed a war in heaven. And this is not a, a, an earthly war, but a heavenly war between angels. And there was this group, there are a group, this other one group of angels are God's angel under the leadership of Michael. And another set of angels, these are the fallen angels under the leadership of the dragon, under the leadership of Lucifer. And there is this war in heaven between these two groups of angels. And Michael, of course, is mentioned as, a, as the leader of this other group. Now, let me just mention a little bit about Michael. You know, Michael is pretty much mentioned all over the Bible, right? Along with Gabriel. And you might be wondering, why is Michael mentioned? And Gabriel, of course, Michael, why is he mentioned? The reason why he's mentioned, because he is the angel that is in charge of the nation of Israel. He is the angel that is in charge of the nation of Israel. It's easy to figure it out. In Daniel chapter, oh, let me just, just skip to that Daniel verse. In Daniel chapter 10 verse 21, listen to this. When, when an angel, this is another angel, uh, you know, meeting with Daniel. You know what the angel told Daniel? Daniel is a, is a, is a prophet of, uh, of Israel. Uh, he, this angel said, uh, the last part there, there is none content, contents by my side against this except Michael, your prince. You notice that? Your prince. This angel, whoever this angel is, could be great Gabriel. If this was Gabriel, he told Daniel, hey Daniel, no one is contending on my side because Gabriel was actually fighting with other angels at this moment, at this point in time, and Michael came over and helped him. And, and so he said, this angel Michael contended with me, was fought along my side. He said, this is your prince, your archangel. He says, Daniel, Michael is your archangel. Michael, is he is your prince, meaning the prince of Israel, the archangel of Israel. So therefore, Michael is really an angel in charge of Israel, meaning we can, we can assume that there's archangels in charge of different nations like United States, Russia, China, or the Philippines. There are, there are probably archangels in charge at the level of Michael as well. So, so we can just assume that based on this passage that God has appointed angels to oversee nations. But Michael, he's not the angel of Philippines, okay? He's not the angel of America. He is the angel of Israel. Israel. I don't really know why people worship angels. I know there are people who worship angels. That's idolatry. Never worship angels. And what is the purpose of angels? Why are angels given to us? Hebrews give us a clear answer. What's the purpose of the angel? This is what the author of Hebrews says. Are they not all ministering spirits? Meaning they are servants. Angels are servants. And who are they going to serve? Very clear here. They were sent out to serve 
for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Wow. Purpose, mission of angels is to serve you. To serve Christians. To serve believers in Christ. They're not just going to serve any random person out there. If there is someone out there who's going to say, oh, there's an angel that's protecting me, and he is not a Christian, chances are that might be a demon. Because the specific purpose of angels is to serve those who will inherit salvation. Now, if people are being served by angels, it's probably a side job of the angel. an extra, extra job. Because that's not their main job, right? Their main job is to serve the church. Meaning the overseers of those nations, the angels that are looking over, over those nations, is actually serving the church within those nations. Christians within those nations. They are commanded by God to serve those who will inherit salvation. Not unbelievers, not anyone, but the church. I hope you remember that. Because why would an angel serve someone who is committing a life of sin? Imagine someone, you know, murdering people. Why would he serve that person, right? Doesn't make sense. So in this heavenly battle, Satan and his army was defeated. Was defeated. And he was thrown down to earth. And for us, we don't, when we read this passage in Revelation chapter uh, 12, we don't really know when this happened. So there are different kinds of explanations on when this happened. Some people say that this battle that's being described in this passage happened during the tribulation. That's one explanation. You know, there was another battle in heaven and it happened during that time. And there was a second rebellion. You know, for me, it seems hard to accept that there's another rebellion that's going to happen in the future among angels. So the other camp, they believe that this is the same, this is the battle that happened at the beginning or before time, the first time Satan rebelled against God. And, and one-third of the angel followed him or joined him. They became the fallen angels and they were thrown down to earth. And that's why I lean towards the second explanation that this just reminds us of the first battle that happened. Uh, it's just hard to believe that there's another battle in the future and another set of angels again rebelled against God. But, you know, I'm still open. I, I cannot be dogmatic about this. I cannot say one is right, the other is wrong. But I'm just giving to you the two kinds of possible explanation to this. Amen? So that you'll understand that revelation is, is sometimes very hard to pin down, but you get the options there. And so, so this is the battle. And, and Satan, he lost in that battle and he was thrown down, banished to earth. And now he's on earth. So let's move on to the next passage in verse 10. In verse 10 it says, continue. Uh, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of, of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before, before our God. 11. And, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives even unto death. Verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in, on, in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath, because he knows his time is short. 
So the coming of Satan on earth, the banishment of Satan to earth, it's not good for us. Not good for you. Not good for the people of the earth. Because Satan, when he came here with all his fallen angels, when he was banished and thrown down to earth by God, he was already very, very angry. Full of rage. Full of anger. Full of hatred against God. Full of hatred against anything that, is, that belongs to God, that is identified with God. Think about that. You got an enemy that is extremely angry. Think of a person who's extremely angry. What are you going to do? I'm going to run away from that person. I will not even talk to that person, right? It's, not, it's a bad idea to, 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 to try to convince or try to win a person who's already very, the face is very red, the eyes is very sharp, and it's like his claws are so big already that he wants to, <laughs> if that was a girl, no, sorry. You have long nails. But, yeah, I, I would not hang around with that kind of person, right? Since Satan cannot defeat God and his angels, cannot defeat the angels of God, and he's on earth now, so what's the next thing he's going to do? It's clear from this passage, the next, next thing he's going to do is go, go against God's Chosen people, God's people. And there are two groups of people, of course, when you talk about God's chosen people. First, the nation of Israel, which is God's chosen nation. He's going to go against that. He's going to fight against that, try to destroy the nation of Israel. And the second group of people that he's going to go against are the people chosen by the grace of God for salvation to inherit eternal life, right? The people that are chosen by God by his grace, and that is you. Christians, believers in Christ, the church. So there's, I'm not talking about the physical church, okay? I'm not talking about churches, building and everything. I'm talking about people who has a heart relationship, who has a personal heart relationship with Jesus Christ. Because remember, the church is invisible. It's not something you can, you can see with your eyes. It's, a, it's something within your soul. It's your heart relationship with Christ that makes you part of the church. And so... He's going to go against with this group, two groups of people. And this is what we exactly find in this passage. He went against Israel. Then he goes against the church, as you'll see later. And in this passage, um, in verse... Okay. Verse 10. Let's go back to verse 10. There's a statement there. says there. That Satan is the accuser of our brothers. He is described with another, by another name. He's the devil. He has a lot of names now. I think we have already six or seven names now. This is another name of Satan. He is the accuser of our brothers or, or the accuser of the brethren. And he has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. So one of the missions or work of Satan in this world and the way he's planning to destroy your life and the lives of people is to keep on accusing you. Accusing you with false charges. 
It's like being in a court and you were falsely charged and the, the people that are charging you with a case, they keep on accusing you with charges after charges. After you've done this, you've done this, you've done this and you're going to be put in prison. But probably many of those you haven't done. And, and he's called the accuser of the brethren. And this is related to our message last week. We talk about, as a church, that we are to be encouraging. And that in everything we do, we are to bring encouragement. And how do we bring encouragement? It is through the preaching and teaching of the word. Because it is the word of God that gives us life. Gives us encouragement. And that is why when we come together every Sunday like this, whenever I preach the word, even if the message might sound negative, it is a source of encouragement for you. And also in your life group, when you study the word of God, when you encourage one another with the word of God, you know, you're, it builds up your faith. So, so this is what we do as a church. We keep on encouraging because we want to build up the faith of one another. But you know what Satan does? Being an accuser of the brothers, his mission is to bring discouragement. His mission is to discourage. His mission is to discourage you. Why does Satan want to discourage you? What happens? When you're discouraged, you become ineffective in your Christian life. When you're discouraged, when you listen to his accusation and you believe his accusations, you will be discouraged. Because that's what he does. You will be rendered powerless, useless for God's purpose. How does he do this? He constantly reminds you of your sin. He constantly reminds you that you're an Eeyore or maybe you're a piglet. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless. Or piglet. <laughs> Always fearful. I hope all those who have kids understand this, right? <laughs> I hope you know who Eeyore is and piglet. He will trip you up. He will put things in your life that will discourage you and he will keep you down. He'll keep you doubting. He'll keep you ignorant of who you are in Christ. He'll keep you ignorant of your true identity in Christ. That's why one of the things that he does, he doesn't want you to spend time with God. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to read the word because it will keep you ignorant of who you really are. Imagine you are the son of God. You are the daughter of God through Jesus Christ. Think about that. The creator of the universe, you call him father. That's beyond anything you can imagine, right? The creator of the universe is your father. The creator of heaven and earth is your dad. That's why we, in our life group last Friday, we are reminded... Of God being Abba, Father. Abba means Dad. Because your identity in Christ is amazing. It's way beyond you can imagine. It's so great. But Satan doesn't want you to see that. That's why a lot of Christians live defeated lives. Because they don't know who they are. Even though they are believers. That's why we as Christians, the task of encouragement, meaning encouraging one another, building up one another, you know, to, to words of encouragement as well, which we surrounded around the word of God, which is the word of God, God's truth. When we encourage, 
It's not something that we can take lightly. In fact, I've seen this over and over in my experience. That when I get to spend time with someone on a weekly basis, in my case, most of the time just spend time weekly or bi-week, you know. How do you say bi-weekly? It's bi-weekly twice a week, right? Yeah, okay, got it right. <laughs> Even if I meet with a person once a week, what I notice is, in my experience, I see dramatic changes in their attitude, in their behavior, in their thinking, in their outlook of life. How come the person, I just spend time with him, you know, we talk about the word of God, may, you know, spend time in discipleship. person's life changes. And I think this is what's really happening. Because without encouragement, without being fed with the word of God, Satan is going to fill you with a cloud of accusation. All kinds of lies, all kinds of false information around you, and it becomes a prison. All the lies of Satan becomes prison. Remember, he is enraged, he is angry, angry, so much anger that he will do everything. And of course, his, all his fallen angels are going to do the same thing to keep you from knowing the truth and to keep you discouraged all the time, all the time. He will not give you an out if you you're just little. In, even if there's little encouragement, you're about to come out. Oh, I'm coming out now. I feel good now. Bang! Something happens again. And you're like, back. okay, I'm going to hide again. I'm going to Eeyore again. And the thing is, we can be imprisoned with all these lies for a long time if we're not watchful. You can spend a year hiding, discouraged not being used by God, not connecting with people, not being involved in ministry. A lot of Christians are like that. They start hiding, running away from God, running away from the church. And the thing is, I can, I can, I can, it's easy for us to accuse other Christians and say, hey, mahina siya, very weak. He's just easily get discouraged. You know, this can happen to you as well if you're not watchful. This can happen to me as well if I'm not watchful. You know, when, when I get thoughts in my day-to-day -day experience, even this past week, even this past few months, when I get thoughts about doubting God's goodness, for instance, these thoughts happens when you're praying for something, and, and that, pray, that prayer has not been answered by God, and you've been praying for it for years sometimes. And when you don't see the answer to your prayer, what do you usually do? You would start doubting. You say, Lord, are you really hearing my prayer? Are you really good? Are you really there, Lord, listening to me? Are you a good God? Why are you not answering my prayer? I need this, Lord God, but you're not answering my prayer. So what does Satan do when you begin to question the goodness of God? He's going to induce more doubts. And what? Will it lead to? It will lead me to stop praying. I would just say, Lord, I will not pray because I'll stop praying because I don't get any answer from you. Then eventually you will say, oh, there's really no point of me praying. God does not care. You see, you begin to spiral down. Then the lack of prayer will render you powerless. Then the lack of prayer and the lack of time with God, you, you become weak and you get down and down. You lose your joy. Not losing joy, okay? You're still married, okay? You'll lose, you'll lose your joy and peace. Then, 
then you begin to spiral into more sin and more doubt, making you ineffective, whatever God wants you to do. I will not, you will not anymore show up in church. You will not show up in the life group. You will just, whatever. I don't know what's going to happen with you, but you, and I guarantee you that if you're in that kind of mode, there'll be more sin in your life. You'll be back to your old sins. You're back to your old sins. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Based on starting with verse 11. Let's go to the verse, verse 11. Here's the good news. It says there, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. Talking about believers. We have conquered Satan. We have conquered him. Not because of our own strength, but because of what Jesus has done for us. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth, and see that the devil has come down to you great, in great wrath because he knows his time is up. We are, there's good news that we can rejoice because Christ has conquered Satan. He has defeated Satan. He has defeated this, this dragon, this serpent, the devil, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren. He defeated and you might, you might say, I know this is now going to be a, I believe this is a real question, not a made-up one. You might say, how, Al, how can you say that Satan is defeated? Right now he's running around the world, bringing a lot of problems in this world, causing evil in this world. How can you say, Al, that Satan is defeated? That he's still free. He's still able to do whatever he can do in this world, right? Yeah, that's true. He's still running. He's controlling nations, in fact. How can you say that he is defeated? Now, I'm going to give you two reasons. There's a lot of reasons, many, but I'm just going to give you two reasons why, you know, what the defeat of Satan means to you as believers. When we say Satan is defeated, this is what we mean by that statement. First, the dragon has no claim on you. The dragon has no claim on you. Or on anyone, actually, on anyone's life. He has no claim. Let me, let me explain that, why he has no claim on you. Jesus said these words. He says, this is talking about himself. Jesus said, I will no longer talk much with you, but the ruler of this world is coming. So you know who that guy is. When the Bible says ruler of the world, it's Satan. But listen to what Jesus said. He has no claim on me. And now that you are in Christ, Satan has no claim on you. He has no claim on you. Meaning he cannot just take you and, and make, you, make you his own. And there's really no point of accusation against you. He has no hold on you. Just like some people, you know, uh, you know they, you, if you've done something against them, you know, they might want, uh, to do exercise revenge, if you borrowed money from them, they would say, hey, you pay back what you owe me. Pay back, pay, pay. Uh, you know, you borrowed from me. But if you didn't do anything, you never borrowed from that person, even though he says, pay back what you owe, is that, I didn't borrow from you. I, didn't, I don't owe you any money. Satan, we don't owe Satan anything. We don't owe any Satan anything. Meaning, whatever Satan does, whatever accusations he gives you, 
There's no impact, no power, no authority upon your life. There's really nothing. Uh, another, there's an idiom for that. He's just full of hot air. All his accusations, all the things he says, hangin lang yun, hot air. There's really no impact, no power. And the truth is, he doesn't really have any claim upon people's lives, even people who are not Christians. You know why? Because the reason why people go to hell is not because of Satan. I hope you understand that. People don't go to hell because of the devil or because of demons. No. The reason why people go to hell because they reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is the reason why people go to hell because they rejected God. Satan is not your biggest problem, actually. It is God. We, don't, we should not fear Satan, but we should fear God. That's why people go to hell because they reject Jesus. That's the reason. It's not because of Satan. It's not because of him. And, and for us believers, we are free to serve God Fulfill his purpose without hindrance from Satan or sin. That's why we, yeah, that's why we, we say he is defeated because we are free. He cannot do anything to us. And not because of our own perfection, not because of our sin, sinlessness and maturity. We know this clearly. The Bible says it is because of the blood of Christ. It is because of the blood of Christ. Let me tell you, for me here in front, speaking to you, it does not mean that I live a perfect life last week. And I confess that there are weeks I've done certain sins. And there are weeks I've been discouraged. And if I gave in to Satan's discouragement, if I gave in to his accusation about my own weaknesses and sin, I would not be standing here. I would be absent from this service. You think a pastor does not get discouraged? I get discouraged all the time. Let me tell you, how many times I, you think that I haven't had any thought that I want to stop being a pastor? It's a constant thing. Did you know that I struggle with that almost every week? Sometimes every day? There's always this thought, I'll stop being a pastor. Okay. <laughs> it's, very, it's, it's a constant accusation I get almost all the time. But you know, I've learned how to pick my, how to rise up once again. After I've fallen, I know how to rise up because I've learned to take off anything in my life that hinders me and, and just rise up again. If I fall, I rise up again. If I fall, I rise up again. And I think this is what is, is reminding us. We should not listen to the accusations of Satan. And even if you committed a worse kind of sin, but God reminds us a humble heart. Con- what, what is God against is pride. He's really against pride. So if I'm prideful with regards to my sins and weaknesses, I have no business standing here in front of you. But what God wants for us is even if we fall and even if we failed, He wants us to humbly confess, repent of the sin, embracing God even more closely, drawing God to more closely, and stand once again. Move on, move forward. Right? Because if I'm going to listen to His accusations, I will not be able to do this. I'm no different than you. I'm no different than you. You struggle, I struggle, we all struggle. 
But I have to learn to rise up quickly. Because I'm going to wait a week <laughs> to rise up. I will not be able to make it by Sunday. <laughs> I have to rise up at least a day or two. I need to stand up once again. If I keep myself down more for a week, now, wala na si Pastor Ralo on a Sunday. Where is Pastor Ralo? He's not here. It's Friday already, Lord. I need to start standing once again. So Saturday na, Sunday na tomorrow. <laughs> you get the idea, right? Secondly, the scripture clearly tells us that the dragon is already condemned and his time is short. Satan is under stress. His time is short. The scripture reminds us of this also. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Oh, this is the wrong verse. Can you? 1611. Uh, sorry. I think that's the wrong verse. Uh, 1611. It's supposed to be 1611. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judge. Concerning judgment, Jesus was talking about judgment, and he says, because Satan, the ruler of this world, is already judged. Now, I want you to remove this thing from your mind. Sometimes we think of Satan as the king of hell, like he's there, oh, I'm the king of hell, and he's laughing. How many of you think of Satan like that? Now, he's the leader of hell, and he's laughing, enjoying his time in hell. Did you know that Satan's hell is is the dragon's prison. And when Satan is in hell, he's not going to enjoy it. Enjoy it. He's not going to be laughing. He's going to be suffering. He's going to be in pain. He's going to be in agony for all eternity. Satan in hell is going to be hurting, in agony, in pain. He'll be suffering for all eternity. That's what's going to happen to him in hell. He's not the king of hell. None of the demons are king of hell. Hell is a place for suffering and punishment even for them. They're going to be burned in that lake of fire for all eternity. All of them. Satan and all his demons. And also people who will reject Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that he is already judged and his time is short. Now imagine his situation. He has a short time. He's knowing he's, he knows he's going to be burned he knows that he's going to be burned in hell for eternity. Imagine the stress Satan is going through right now. Trying to accomplish a lot of things in a short time. And his mission is to try to destroy anything that God is doing in this world. To get back at God. Satan has no hold over you. He has no authority over you. And there's really no reason for us to fear him. And the only reason why he has a hold upon this world, because people of the world listen to his lies, listen to his accusations. The kingdoms of this world, the nations of this world listen to him and agree with him. That's why he has a hold. But if we don't agree with him, they don't listen to him, we don't approve of what he says, he has no hold on you. He has no hold on you. Lastly, 13. We're done with this passage. Time is almost up. up. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down on the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. So we know who the woman is. We know the male, who the male child is. Next verse, Josh. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness. So we know who the serpent is. 
to the place where she is nourished for a time and times and times and a half. That's three and a half years actually. Then the serpent poured water like a river out of the mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. And that's gone. But the earth came to the, to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Last verse. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war for the rest of her offspring. Make war on the rest of his offspring. Those who are those? On those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Okay, let's skip that last statement there. It's going to be, it's part of verse, of chapter 13 already. So that's next week, the last line there. Okay, so the, this last set of passages here talks about what the dragon is going to do on earth. First, is he's going to pursue the woman. But what we find out from this passage is the woman will be protected by God. We don't have to go in detail here. There's, there's so much we can talk about here, but I'm just going to shorten it. The wings there talks about God's protection. It, the wings of an eagle talks about God's protection. Even though Satan tries to destroy Israel, but God is going to protect Israel. And we've seen Israel being conquered, being, being attacked, being, you know, exiled by multiple empires throughout history, but God preserved them. There's always a remnant that God protects. And so, Satan tried to send flood. You know, that flood represents calamity. Represents something that's, that's uh, going to you know, destroy Israel. It could be a pestilence. It could be an army. It could be something else. But it represents destruction. But still, God protected Israel. That's why when that water came and tried to flood, tried to destroy Israel, it was swallowed up by the earth. It talks about God's protection. And so what happened is God has been protecting Israel over and over. And Satan became furious here, angry and and so since he cannot do this and destroy Israel, what did he end up doing here? Verse 17, the dragon became furious with the woman and went off. Since, she, since he, God was protecting the woman, he went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Who are this offspring of, of Israel? It is us, you and me. Because it's described this here. To those who keep the commandments of God, who hold the testimony of Jesus. And that's you and me. We are the offspring because, because Jesus, remember, she is the offspring of Israel. Because he, the baby came out of Israel, then we came out of Jesus. We are basically co-heirs with Christ. We are called the sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. So we are that offspring here. And Satan goes on to attack the offspring of Jesus, those who came out of Jesus. That's why I believe encouragement is not something we can take lightly. In fact, it is vital to our Christian faith. Spiritual growth and maturity. That's why we need constant encouragement. If possible, every day you'll spend time with the Word. If possible, we can meet every day. That will be amazing. <laughs> right? If possible, you can come to church every Sunday. That will be best, best. Because we need that. And I can, you know, I don't have to know your private lives. If you have not been with the Word of God, if you are not constantly encouraged, then 
uh, you're probably not sharing the word of God. You're not probably serving God in whatever capacity. And you're struggling with sin. And sin might have overtaken your life already. I don't even have to know that. Because we are, because imagine, if you are not being constantly encouraged, the accusation of Satan is going to be like a prison to you. There's going to be a lot of accusations that's going to come after you. This is not to scare you, but this is reality. This is what we face today. And sadly, sadly, there are members of our church, there are people in our church that already have succumbed to the accusations of Satan. You know, in closing, I just want to mention this. You know, there are pastors today, there are Christian leaders today who have run away from the Christian faith. You know, you know I don't know if you heard of Josh Harris. I read his book back then, Kiss Dating Goodbye. He, he was a good teacher. You know, I like his book. But now he denied Christ already. He denies Christ. He, he sort of ran away from the Christian faith. Some of you heard of Ravi Zacharias. He's a very well-known preacher, very articulate preacher, very smart preacher. And now... You heard a scandal against him. Fortunately, that scandal is true. That he's committed immorality during his ministry. And I'm not ready to say that he's not a Christian. Probably had a genuine conversion. But the problem is, they were not careful, watchful. And they succumbed to the accusations of Satan, the attacks of Satan. Imagine, these are, these are, well-known preachers, teachers, Bible teachers. If they're susceptible to it, we are susceptible to these very things. I am susceptible to this as well. We cannot be prideful in saying, oh, I'm better than them. You need to be watchful. And let me tell you this, maturity in the Christian life is far more important than knowledge. Far more important than knowledge you know, you could accomplish a lot of things in your Christian life. You could be Billy Graham, for instance, but you could be a totally immature Christian. That's why I think you need to change your thinking about these people, even Billy Graham, even John MacArthur, even all those well-known preachers around the world. Don't put them on a pedestal in thinking that they're better than you or they, they cannot fail or they cannot make a mistake. And change your mindset about, hindi ako pare. I'm not a priest. Don't compare me ever, ever to a priest. I'm not. Don't treat me like a priest. Begin with, it doesn't mean my prayer is better than you. It doesn't mean that my prayer will be answered. Some, some of you might think, I'll pray for this. Who knows? God might answer more your prayer than my prayer. Amen? Yeah. Because we're all on the same road. We're all believers, followers of Christ. We're all servants of God. And we're all exposed to the same kinds of struggle. The sins that you do are the same kinds of sin I struggle with. The sins that you struggle with are the same kinds of sin. Billy Graham, John MacArthur, and who are the well-known preachers? They're also struggling with the same things. If you struggle with lust, they struggle with lust. If you struggle with hot temper, anger, hatred, they also struggle with that. They just have a different role in the body of Christ. They just have a different mission and purpose in the body of Christ. Maybe for you to sweep the floor for them to preach, to have a worldwide ministry. But it's no different actually. When you're cleaning the floor in the church and, and here comes Billy Graham preaching to millions, it's the same. It doesn't mean that he's better than you. Because in the eyes of God, he doesn't look at the size of your accomplishment. He doesn't look at the size of your church. 
that God doesn't care for those things. Bible clearly tells us that God only looks at the heart. It's all that matters before God. Even if your church has only one member and, and somebody has 45,000, God doesn't care about that. Of course, He cares the salvation of many souls. That's important in, the God's, in God's eyes. But when you come stand face to face with God, you cannot say, God, I am a pastor of a thousand member church. And you're going to say, Lord, I'm only a pastor of a 12 member church. And you know who will say that? I'm a pastor of a 12 member church. That's Jesus. He has only 12 members. <laughs> In fact, one betrayed him. You get the point? And that's why we need to encourage one another. Never put any Christian leader on a pedestal now, from now on. I, d I don't want you also to expect them to fail, okay? <laughs> Pray for them. <laughs> because when you begin to put them on a pedestal, if you treat them like a God in your life, then, then you're going to fall with them as well. Because you're going to be discouraged. I know a lot of people were discouraged with Ravi. I know, I know some will go to the extreme. I will never read his book. I'm not going to listen to him. Maybe you can do that if you want to. But for me, I'm, I'm still going to read his book because he had a lot of good things to say. But, of course, as a church, we might not... Uh, we, yeah, we will probably remove him from our list of to listen to <laughs> but but if you still choose to read his books then that's okay I think they're going to remove many of his videos online as well but just read but yeah I'm just going to leave it up to you but begin to consider your own heart all the time am I how is my relationship with Christ how's my walk with him and I'm internally grateful that salvation is by the grace of God because I'm able to stand here to you in spite of my imperfections, in spite of my sin. Nakakatayo ako dito. Not because I've done well this past week. In fact, I did not. But only because of the blood of Jesus. Only because that Jesus has forgiven me of my sins. Only because that He is my advocate before the Father and I'm not listening to Satan's accusation. I'm going to listen to what Jesus is telling me. And this week, I was discouraged this week, but the Lord... Even this was just yesterday and this morning. He reminded me, Al, did you know that I called you even when you were a kid? I, I, and I know, and, and things came back to my mind, remembering things happened in my childhood. And I realized, wow, it was God who did it. He was protecting me. He was protecting me. And I, I kept on thinking, wow, God was protecting me all this time and he was preparing me for this role. And, and my calling did not happen when we started the church. The calling happened, I think, since I was a toddler. He was already, he already, I already was a pastor even at that point, even though I didn't pastor a church, but he was already calling me and protecting me. And it's true for all of you. The reason you are here, because God has already chosen you and called you to be his own. And that has, that's not, it's not about being, just being today, today being here. He has already loved you, called you, chosen you, even before the time of your birth. That's amazing. Before the time of your birth. The Bible says before the foundation of the world, before even the world was created, God has already selected you, loved you. That's how amazing he is. That's why there's really no point of listening to any kind of false accusation from Satan. His is only for the moment. God is for all, for all eternity.
Everything that God tells you, it affects all eternity. You know, let us pray. Almighty Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that revelation is able to reveal us these things, Lord God. There's so much, oh God, so much things in your word that we need, Lord, to hear, oh God. And Lord, give us an open heart to receive all this, to accept all this, oh God. Lord, I, I give my heart to you to open my, open my own heart, Lord. And I pray that everyone will do the same. The Lord, we will not listen to the accusations of Satan, to the lies of this world, to the lies of our own sinful flesh, oh God. But we will begin to listen to you, listen to you faithfully, listen to your Holy Spirit speaking to our souls, to our heart. To listen to your word, Lord God, that tells us, Lord, that you love us, Lord. That you gave your only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That you love us, you've known us, you've chosen us before the foundation of the world. And Lord, I ask, Lord, for a renewed encouragement from you. A personal message to each one today because Lord I believe that you are speaking to every heart today, today Lord Lord you have a out of this message will come a personal message in every heart that there is something you want everyone to realize it's going to be probably unique to everyone Lord that you have you're probably speaking to us in different in different kinds of things oh God different circumstances different situations in our life Help us to listen to you, Lord, to be able to hear what you're going to say. Help us to hear your Holy Spirit speak, Lord. Just like how you spoke to me this morning, Lord. Reminding me of your love for me. Reminding me of your choosing me since I was my childhood, Lord. Lord, I pray that you speak to everyone, Lord. And give us a heart that listens to you, that obeys you, Lord God, responds to what you're going to say, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we as a church, we will commit ourselves to encourage one another, even as your coming draws near, that we will do this more and more. I pray that life groups will not only meet bi-weekly, but will begin to meet weekly, Lord. I pray that our discipleship ministry will continue to grow and that we will meet with one another, if possible, weekly as well, Lord God. Lord, I pray even our church service, that people will come here every Sunday, Lord, without fail, faithful, O oh God, consistent every Sunday without fail, and even join us online weekly as well, Lord. In our prayer meeting, Lord, I pray that people will be able to join that, Lord. And if we're going to move to Wednesday, Lord, I pray that it will be the best time where we can, many will join, Lord God. Because we desperately need to pray as a church. There's so much things that's against us now. We can't do it without your power. We can't do it without your strength. And I pray for a church that prays, oh God. I pray for a church that's burdened to pray, especially praying together as a church, oh God. There's so much we're praying for every, every time we come together, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for those who have been faithful to pray for two hours, oh God, every time we gather, Lord. 
Lord, I, I also ask your blessing, Lord, upon every ministry of this church. That everything we do, even our teaching, our children, our youngest children, our, our preschoolers, our toddlers, Lord, our, our, our youth, Lord, our children of school age, even all our adult ministry, Lord God, you, our, our, our men's, our women's ministry, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that everything we do, Lord, will bring encouragement to everyone who's there in any gathering, Lord, even all our life groups, Lord, and our care groups, Lord. Lord, I'm so blessed to be in this church, oh God, where everyone is active, Lord. Everyone is involved. Everyone is fulfilling the role in the body of Christ. And I pray that more and more will do this in this church, oh God, that they will go deeper and grow broader, Lord, in their ministry, Lord God. Lord, thank you also that you've been sustaining us, encouraging us through your Holy Spirit and through your word, through our devotional time, through our daily time with you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that each one here will have that private time with God each morning. If it has, it has gone to the side, to the wayside, Lord, restore that quiet time, Lord God. If, if we are not as encouraged, Lord, reignite the heart of that person. Reignite that the, the, the hunger for your presence, the hunger for your word. Reignite that, Lord. Give that back, that longing for your presence. As we come in the morning, there is excitement, there is joy and anticipating what you're going to reveal to us, to him, to her, oh God, in that time with you in the morning. Oh, Lord, I pray for that, Lord, upon every person who's here, every person listening online. That every day we'll get an encouragement from you. We'll get a word from you, Lord. We desperately need this, Lord. If Jesus spent 24 by 7 with his disciples, we need the same thing, Lord. We need the very same thing for us today, Lord, as well. Lord, I ask your grace for the rest of the week. Bless each one, Lord, in whatever their pursuits are, Lord, whether it's their job, business, school, at home, or ministry, Lord. I ask your grace and mercy and blessing be upon them. And that in everything they do, Lord, whether, uh, whether they eat or drink, whatever they do, they glorify Christ, they honor Christ. And oh, Lord, let your light so shine through our lives that people see your glory through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.